0: Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given
1: it part now, get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Passage to Profit. This is Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law and sponsor of Passage to Profit.
2: And this is Elizabeth Gearhart, and I am co-host of Passage to Profit and founder of Fireside, which I'll talk about later.
1: And Passage to Profit is all about entrepreneurs and new businesses and our favorite topic, intellectual property. And On our show tonight, is Lars Helgeson, who is the founder of Green Rope and also author of CRM for Dummies. And he's going to be talking to us about what CRM is. And in addition, we have Cole Merlino, who is going to be presenting, and Matthew Cristaldi, who's also going to be presenting. Also with us is Ed Madangareri, who will also be presenting. So stay tuned. We've got a great show coming up. Let's get started with IP in the news.
2: I don't know if you realize it, but Apple has never made a folding phone. So the first phones. I don't remember who did the first phones, but Apple has now filed a patent for a folding iPhone. Of course, this is Apple. So it's not just a folding iPhone, right? What's really cool about it is that when you fold it, you don't cover the display all the way. So a little strip keeps showing and your notifications come up. So you can have your phone closed, folded, closed, and still see your notifications.
1: So isn't that sort of regressive? I remember flip phones were like a nineties thing, right? So why are they doing this? Any idea?
2: Nobody really knows. They don't know if they're actually going to make it or not. They just filed the patent application. So okay, well, something to look forward a, to. Maybe just to block competitors, who knows?
1: Who knows, okay. Nice. Okay. Also, for our patent palooza, we're gonna talk a little bit about intellectual property and artificial intelligence again. And I'm quoting here from betanews.com, uh, an article by Ian Barker. And he is quoting uh, Royla gahafi who's the executive director of Think Tank. And he says that it's time to come to drips with market trends in AI. And many ignore the fact that intellectual property IP can fundamentally restructure the economic dynamics between companies. So that's, you know, pretty profound. He says, indeed, IP is the currency of the knowledge-based economy. I love that. I love that. Yeah, well, you picked out that thing for me to read. IP is
2: the currency of the knowledge-based economy.
1: Right, and patents provide innovators with the ability to commercialize their inventions, paving the way for business success. So it really is the case that as we move to a knowledge-based economy, intellectual property becomes more and more important. And he says also, one last quote, equally patents can allow a company to make substantial savings in R&D, when using the IP of others. It's really interesting to think that through intellectual property, companies can gain cost savings and also competitive advantages, because lots of times if you take a license, that means that your competitors can't use the technology unless they also get a license. Some very forward thinking thoughts here and artificial intelligence is clearly becoming more and more important in the tech world and IP is continuing to play an important role in that.
2: Right, he also points out in his article, Ian Barker does, that Samsung dominates the AI space with over 5,000 patents worldwide and IBM and Tencent have just over 2,000 each. So a lot of people think patents aren't important in tech, but apparently these guys do.
1: The interesting thing about intellectual property and tech patents is that anybody who has a good idea in tech can write and prepare a patent for that. So whether it's an individual entrepreneur or a small company, building an IP portfolio can be defensive. It can protect your technology from being stolen by other competitors. And it also gives you the ability to license that technology if that turns out to be a practical and viable business strategy. So we never talk about articles that are negative about intellectual property <laughs> on the show, by the way. So, so, so there are a few out there, but we don't pay attention to those. Without So Without
2: further ado, we will take a break. <sighs> and when we come back, we will have a very interesting discussion with Lars Helgeson. You are listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor show on WOR710.
3: There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs ideas and brands using patent, trademark and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G E A R H A R T L A W.com. This ad has been read by a non attorney spokesperson.
1: Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth GearHart. And with us this evening is Lars Helgesen, the CEO of Green Lars is a pioneer in email marketing and also has written a book CRM for Dummies. His favorite quote is, if it isn't in the CRM, it didn't happen. So (laughs) I think that's a little bit of an overgeneralization, but maybe (laughs) Lars can explain himself.
2: Hey
0: Lars.
1: How you doing?
2: I'm fascinated. I've never met anybody who wrote a dummies book before. I think you have to be really smart to write for dummies, right?
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't know. (laughs) There might be some people who would debate that. Um, (laughs) It's hard to To take things that are complicated like CRM and distill them down into simple concepts. But the idea really is that if you own a business, you should have a CRM and everything that you do in your business should be logged and tracked and managed within that CRM.
1: For our listeners who are unfamiliar with the term CRM, could you explain what it means?
0: CRM means different things to different people. And so if you talk to some people that have been in sales for a really long time, they'll think of a CRM as a sales tool. It's a thing where if you're a salesperson, you put in your notes and say, well, I talked to Joe today and this is what we talked about. And you might be able to buy our thing today or tomorrow. And, you know, it's sort of a way to log those kinds of conversations.
1: So it's a program that allows you to enter data about... Perspective clients or customers, and then it allows the user to keep track of activities around those. Yeah. So
0: that's the old school way of, of describing CRM. That's the way CRM was originally figured out as a sales tool. And it's been around for 50, 60 years as a concept and a software. But CRM, customer relationship management, the way we look at relationships in business has changed a lot since then. Back in those days, there was no social media, there wasn't email, websites, all those things. Everything was just, you take notes. Now, when you're talking about a relationship between a business and a lead or a customer, it can be the salesperson, but there's a good chance that there was a lot of interaction before they even talked to anybody in your company. They were probably on your website, they may have seen ads that you put up, there may have been blog articles written about you, all the videos, I mean, there's all these different ways that people can learn about your brand. And if you're not able to track that information, you have no idea what sort of message they're getting. And you can't reach out to them and manage that information in a way that helps you be more effective at marketing to
1: them. So that sounds like a lot of inputs for a single software system. I'm imagining that it takes a lot of effort programming to make all of that happen. If you're an early stage entrepreneur and maybe you don't have sophisticated email campaigns, maybe you just have a website and maybe a few social media accounts. Does a CRM make sense?
0: It does. It does. And I'll tell you why, because there is a term called technical debt that comes from the idea that if you have different software that you're using to manage those different things. So say you use Google analytics Maybe you use a spreadsheet to keep track of different people. Maybe you use a different email marketing program. At the very least, maybe three different pieces of software. Each of those pieces of software is gathering information, gathering data that you're going to use. At some point, you're going to want to combine those things and figure out, well, should I send an email to the people who visited this webpage? Or if I'm going to drive people to this website, how much does this impact our actual sales? In the very, very beginning, you may not see that as something that's really that relevant or important, but as your business starts to grow and scale, you're going to start to get different software that you're using, and if those pieces of software don't talk to each other, you get what this technical debt is, meaning that you're gathering all this data, it's sitting in a separate piece of software, and you can't use it anywhere else. So what commonly happens in businesses, and this is where it comes into entrepreneurship and leadership... If you are a weak leader, you are going to let your people determine what software that they're going to use solely because they like it. The expression that we call that is the inmates running the asylum. (laughs) If you have a junior marketing person or an intern or someone who comes in and says, well, I know how to use this thing and this is what I want to use because it's awesome. Then that's great for them. But then you, as the entrepreneur, the leader, the manager have to figure out, well, What do I do with that data? What happens if this person leaves? How does this play with the rest of our system and the data we're gathering? And also, very importantly, how do we control our data from getting lost? What happens? How do we keep this person from walking with our data? As business owners and entrepreneurs, we have to be really cognizant of the data that we gather, not even just because for legal reasons. I mean, GDPR, CCPA, the Can Spam Act, all these other things that we have to be conscious of. But we also have to make sure that we are good stewards of the data that our customers and our leads are trusting with us. So we have to have a good CRM for all that.
1: I guess in terms of general principle of having the right system, and sometimes it's hard to get there. In our firm, we've had some of the same challenges that you've mentioned, but having the right data is absolutely critical to managing your company. You need to know what things to look at. You need to collect information on those things. And then you've got to be able to use it, you know, hopefully maybe create a dashboard with key performance indicators, you know, the most important aspects of the information, what is your accounts receivable, what is your accounts payable, what is the rate that certain clients are paying, and it really allows you to fine tune your business operations and also to identify problem areas before they get out of control, which is really one of the biggest challenges. People sometimes think, well, this just came out of left field. And then you go back and you look at the data for six months and you know, if I had looked at this, I would have seen this coming long before it was an issue.
2: So Lars, I have to ask you a question. It sounds like what you're saying to me is that my perception of what a CRM would do is just a tiny fraction and that CRMs today are much more robust. Can they actually keep track of your social media as well as everything else?
0: All the above. So your CRM should do all of those things. Now, the important thing to remember is that when you pick a CRM for your business, don't pick the software first and then try to figure out how to make it work. Don't put the cart before the horse. Think about what you actually need the CRM to do. So I break this down into three components. The first is to understand your market. Know who you're selling to. Now as entrepreneurs, business managers, whatever, we all have to know who our target markets are. So go through that exercise with somebody who's good at marketing, figure out who your buyer personas are, and just know who you're selling to. The second part is to understand process do a customer journey map. If you're not sure what a customer journey map is, we have a free tool called journeyflow.com that you can use and just sign up and play around. It's a drag and drop thing. But if you don't use that, use something. Put a bunch of sticky notes on a whiteboard, whatever. Figure out what the sales process is like from the earliest stage of how they find out about your brand. how do they go through the process of getting more information and then becoming a customer. And then after they're a customer, Don't just give up on them. How do you turn them into advocates for your brain? The last part is understanding your data model because to support all of that, you're going to have to track. So as you do your customer journey map, you're going to have to make sure that there are going to be some places where you might drive people to your website. You might drive them to your social media. You might drive them to you may send emails to them. You may send text messages. You may do phone calls, whatever that is. All of those things should be tracked in your CRM. So all of that has to be figured out before you even think about a CRM. And that again comes back to strategy. If you're a business owner, you're a manager, you're a C-level executive, whatever, you have to understand all of those things
1: first and then figure out what you want your CRM to do. If you're an (laughs) entrepreneur though, you know, you have your choice. Every business is different. And so you have your choice between going and picking an off-the-shelf type of CRM system that has some customization or you can have a custom package built and you know live through the nightmare that that is it takes a lot more time it can be more expensive but if it's done right it may be more tunable to your business so How does an entrepreneur decide whether to go with an off-the-shelf system or have something custom made? There's always going to be some amount of customization
0: with any CRM because every business is different, right? I mean, the way you sell things is different than, I mean, even in law firms, how you sell and present your message is different. Mm -hmm. What your sales process looks like is different from other law firms. That's why we do the exercise first to look at what your sales process looks like and who you're selling to and the data you need to store so that you can go and figure out what do you want your CRM to do? Then you go and you look at CRMs and you say, okay, how easy is it for this CRM to do what I need it to do? If you're hiring developers, you might as well just take a bunch of your money and flush it down the toilet. Because the more money you spend on developers, you're not a software development manager. What you need to do to manage software development is nothing like managing a law firm. And and I would say that's true about anyone in any kind of business. If you're in manufacturing, whatever you're doing, if you're not in software development, don't get into software development. Trust me, it's hard.
2: (laughs) Right now, I'm actually looking at social media scheduling software. Now, would a CRM have that? or would I want something that integrates with the CRM. If you're looking at that, And you want to have a CRM too. How would you go about approaching that problem?
0: Well, keep in mind, the CRM is used to manage relationships, right? So if you're just broadcasting on social media, you're just posting stuff, right? So where does that go in your relationship with, say, a lead? You don't really know. Until the lead interacts with you. Right. Then you want to have that data get pushed back into your CRM in some way. A lot of ways you can do that. There are third party integrations, Zapier, PySync, other tools that you can use to pull that data into your CRM.
2: So you would actually suggest then that I do use the scheduling software, but then find a way to integrate it with the CRM that I
0: use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very simple, really, really easy to do. We want to use software to automate stuff so that our people can do what people do, which is really manage relationships, be on the phone put in that special touch, that special flair that makes the customer feel like they're actually valued and not just part of some giant machine.
1: Tell us about CRM for dummies. What motivated you to write a dummies book? Well, it's a lot of work, so I'll tell you that it was a year to build to write that.
2: How do you start the book? Like, what are some of the things that you discuss in there that
1: people would need to know?
0: Well, you really have to take a, a look at it from a business perspective. It's not a, again CRM is not a, just a technology. It's not a piece of software that you use. It's a way of running your business. It's a culture that you build, and so you have to take a step back. And I'm sure you've all heard the expression "working on your business" instead of working in your business. It's one of those things that we as entrepreneurs have to really be conscious of so that we don't get sucked into the day-to-day and never take that time to step back and take the 30,000-foot view of what is our business? What do we do? Why are we doing it? And if you can take that step back and think about why you need a CRM, what are you going to use it for? What's the value that it's going to bring? And it it really is a much more fundamental question about how are you running your business? What are you doing to manage your people, your sales cycle? How do you do do all of that? So once you take that step back and then you just see CRM as a tool to implement what you want to have happen just to to keep all that information together and, and tracked in one place, it becomes a less intimidating thing because we all know how to manage relationships. We all have relationships in our lives. We're humans, we're social animals, that's what we do. So as CRM software, it's just a tool to do the same thing except on a business and on a larger scale.
2: We are here with our guest, Lars Helgeson. We also have with us Kenya Gibson who is our iHeart media maven.
4: So speaking of humans, I have a, a super quick question. Are there certain personality types that like adhere better to the usage of crms over others because i feel like i work in radio i'm not really sure what personality type i have but radio people are typically like we're kind of all over the place and managing a million things and then when you put us in front of a system and you're like okay now log all that it kind of makes my head want to explode so like are there certain personality types that take better to systems and for those people like me who struggle with something like a CRM, what are some ways to kind of overcome that? That's a
0: really good question, actually. It's it's very important to understand the human element. And it doesn't matter if you're using CRM or any other piece of software or any other relationship, right? Your relationship with every human that you know is different. Just like every interaction between every user of CRM is gonna be different because your personality is different than mine, is different than your managers, than your coworkers, everybody's different. It's like any relationship you have to feel like you're getting your needs met. And the way to do that is to listen. And so if you have a team that helps you organize your thoughts, your data, the things that you do every day, they should be listening to you and the CRM should reflect using software in a way that helps you be effective. So you think about the things that you do every day and how you want to track all of that. Your CRM should help you do that. And if it doesn't, Talk to your management. See if you can change the CRM and the way it works so that it works for you. And if it can't, think about getting a new CRM. Your company is built on relationships. Relationships within the company, between your employees, between you and your leads, between you and your customers. And sometimes the concept of customer doesn't always mean like I'm gonna sell them a thing, but you have these interactions with people. So they may be people you know in the press, how are you keeping track of all that information? How is that something that you can make easy to do? And how can you automate things? If you're doing the same thing every day, a lot of salespeople, they say, well, I want to sell this thing. And then they're going to send these emails and they're trying to wait and they're listening and trying to time everything. If you're doing this every day, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Use software to automate things and make things easier for
1: you. Great advice. And we'll be right back with Lars after this commercial message.
3: What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs ideas and brands using patent trademark and copyright protection so if you have a new consumer product a new software application that you're planning to build or sell or a brand or company name that you want to protect Contact the experts at GearheartLaw, Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at gearhartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non attorney spokesperson.
1: Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart.
2: And we just had a great discussion with a CRM expert. So if you missed it, then listen to our podcast. We also have with us Kenya Gibson, who is our iHeart Media Maven. We have three incredible presenters with great products coming up. But before we get to them, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my company. I talk about it every week Fireside. It's a video directory of small and medium sized businesses. And I've been putting people on it. I started out in a very narrow niche and then I made it just all small businesses just to get proof of concept for now so every kind of business can come on. And as it grows, I'm going to probably split it into different sites based on the business types so that it's more specific. But right now, I want to make it the Wikipedia of small business on video. That's my goal. So <laughs> I interview people on Zoom about their businesses let them talk about themselves and their businesses and then i put the videos on my youtube channel and on my website and it's growing it's a lot of fun i definitely need a crm right now (laughs) 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 i'm going to buy the book and figure out what will work best and um it's going strong and i'm having a lot of fun doing it so now without further ado here is something that i wish that i had had for many, many years and will probably buy at some point in the near future. I wanna introduce Cole Merlino with the U-Stand. Hi, Cole.
5: Thank you guys for having me on the show. This is great. Um, So yeah, my name is Cole Merlino and I'm the co-founder of the U-Stand. A little overview of what the U-Stand is or the problem that we are trying to solve with the U-Stand is I'm sure if you've been to the beach, you've seen flying umbrellas. So you stick your umbrella in the sand and then the gust of wind comes and next thing you know, you're chasing your umbrella halfway down the beach. So this was the problem that we were trying to solve here. How you kind of use the use stand is that it's a seven gallon bucket. So before you go to the beach, you pack all your towels, your sunscreen, football, frisbee into the stand, and then we include a shoulder strap. So you throw it over your shoulder, head to the beach. And then once you get there, you fill it with weight. So we recommend using you know, sand or water to fill it with weight to make sure it's really sturdy. And then you stick your umbrella through a center tube that runs through the bucket and out the bottom and you tighten the screw and you have shade anywhere. You can use it in the backyard, the pool, the beach, concerts, kids, sporting events, really anywhere you need shade.
1: I think this is a real contribution to beach going and all of us beachgoers, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for this. How <laughs> did you get
2: this inspiration?
5: Um, so my father was the one who actually came up with the idea. So it was a, about a few years ago. One summer we were hanging out, we call it a beach in Pennsylvania, but it's more of a lake with like dirt and rocks as the sand. So um, my dad, and my mom, we're trying to stick an umbrella in and the dirt and the rocks wouldn't really hold the umbrella. So my dad took a Home Depot five gallon bucket, put some PVC pipes in the middle. And then we had our first prototype. So then we kind of forgot about the idea for a few years. And then my last year, I was a freshman over at the University of South Carolina. And I was just sitting in my dorm room kind of wanting to start a business. So kind of cycling through ideas of what I could do. And then I remembered my dad's idea. So then I called him up on the phone, asked him if he wanted to get started with this with me. And then a year later, here we are today. Wow.
2: Where are you having them made?
5: We have them made in Erie, Pennsylvania, American made product.
2: Awesome. That's great.
1: Well, that's Thank really you. great, Cole. So tell us a little bit about your sales and your marketing plan. The way we kind of kickstarted our whole company and kind of gaining
5: traction, gaining viewers, gaining sales is by attending trade shows. So we did around four this past winter, kind of focusing on the southern regions like Florida, Atlanta, Georgia. We did one in New York City. So that is kind of how we gained our initial group of retailers, wholesalers that would sell our product. And now, we've been focusing heavily on social media marketing, kind of growing our brand awareness, kind of getting our name out there, showing it to customers, potential customers, and kind of seeing where it goes from there.
2: And I can see them behind you in the video here. They're all different colors. They're really pretty.
5: Thank you. Yeah, we have five different colors. Some blue, some light green, kind of pastel colors, nice beach colors.
4: You have them available online, and then you have them in retailers?
5: Yeah, so we have around, I think we're up to like 75 retailers across the country. And you can also
1: purchase them on our website. It's just theustand.com. What have been some of the challenges that you face in getting this whole thing off the ground? The biggest challenge we face so
5: far is CRM, kind of what we were talking about the first half of the show. Since I'm kind of running the company myself, contacting and like following up and keeping up with relationships with both my single customers and our retailers, making sure the stores have enough units to sell, how they're selling them, what kind of people they're selling them to. So kind of keeping up with all of those things on a daily basis, along with working on my business, that's kind of been a bigger struggle for me.
0: Yeah, you know, those kinds of struggles that you're facing are common. Every business deals with those kinds of issues. And I mean, I'm happy to talk to you in more detail about how to work through it, but really it's that systematic approach of figuring out what do you need? What do you need to track? And then setting up ways to automate how you can do that so that you're not in there every day, just grinding and sending email (laughs) after email because it's soul sucking to do that. You want to set up process to make it easy. Exactly, yeah.
1: How did you decide to have the product manufactured in Erie, Pennsylvania, as opposed to someplace else, you know, maybe overseas?
5: Starting the idea, we were looking around uh, just for places to make our injection mold, people who would actually use the injection mold. And so we kind of wanted it to keep in the United States just for accessibility, kind of working on it, One on one with the manufacturer if there's any errors or anything. So that's kind of the reason we kept it in the US right now.
2: I would think it's a lot easier to manufacture in the US because you don't have the language barriers and you're right. Yeah,
5: exactly. Yeah. And
2: you can go right to the factory and say, no, I don't want it to look like that. I want it to. (laughs) So how many have you
1: sold? I
5: think we're right around
1: 2,000
5: units right now since the beginning of the summer. And
1: I'm sure the COVID crisis has had probably a little bit of an effect on your sales.
5: I would say the damper with the COVID comes more. More in like sales and marketing because I would like to have. You know, tents set up on the beaches and like events held by uh, sponsored by the youth stand, but it's more just focusing on social media marketing right now because I think that's kind of the route that everything's going. And
1: where do you see your business in five years? What are your aspirations for this?
5: I plan to see us have multiple products in our product line. We're actually manufacturing an insert, kind of like a koozie, but it goes on the inside of the stand to act as a cooler, so you can fill it up with ice and drinks. Then, and then we have another product. Launching of a like a bigger kind of Yeti sized cooler with the same utility involved. So we have a bunch of products planned to release in the next few years. So we're excited to see where it goes.
1: The website is the U stand, just all in one, okay. one word. We wish you all the best and look forward to seeing many, many U stands out on the beach. So <laughs> Thank you guys. We have to take a break and we'll be right back on Passage to Profit.
6: Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, e-vine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, Contact me, Lisa Askleys, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, Lisa, at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com.
1: Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our next presenter this evening is Matt Cristaldi from Ribbit. And Matt and I go back a little bit. We initially met at the New Jersey Venture Conference several years ago, and he has some updates for us on his projects. Thank you. A lot has happened since the
7: last time I appeared on the show. You know, right when we talked, we were in the middle of fundraising a small round to hire a development team. We successfully closed that round. We hired a dev team, pushed out our product, So Ribbit is a platform that's bringing sustainability and efficiency to the restaurant industry. And we're doing that through a restaurant review app for customers now available on iOS and Android and a B2B marketplace to connect restaurants with local farms and other local suppliers to make, to build resiliency within their business. We have taken a hit. Um, the whole restaurant industry has taken a hit, but when we launched in December, I mean, we were growing. We were averaging four users per day with zero dollars in marketing and advertising. We were growing all over the country. We had 40% active users. And then once COVID hit, everything just went dark. So since then, we've continued maintaining relationships with some of our restaurant partners, and we ended up pivoting to releasing a COVID feature. Internally, we're Calling it Rivet Reopen, which is a feature to help customers know which restaurants are doing all the right things to keep their customers safe and clean, such as wearing masks, uh, social distancing, disinfecting tables, having hand sanitizer available. So. We've kind of pivoted a little bit in the recent months.
2: That's really great because we did go to one of our favorite restaurants and the cooks were not wearing masks. And I said, well, the masks Mm -hmm. are flammable. And I was just kind of like, so we haven't gone back. And that would be nice to know that the cooks are wearing masks.
1: All of this data, though, collected by Mm -hmm. customers who visit the restaurants, they Mm -hmm. have a list, I guess, of things that they would look for. And then Mm -hmm. they would indicate on the app whether they're present Mm -hmm. or not. Correct. That way, the next customer can evaluate whether they want to use the restaurant, just like Elizabeth was saying about Mm -hmm. missing masks in the kitchen staff.
7: Yeah, that's exactly it. The beautiful part about our platform is if you said within that restaurant that they weren't wearing masks, the restaurant could see that data, start wearing masks, and then they could start pushing other customers to come and review, and they could see that their clientele on the app is improving. So, hey, in the beginning they weren't wearing masks, but now they are and they're recognizing that their customers are worried. This kind of improves for two standpoints. One, you you just alluded to that, hey, we went there and we didn't return. That is a notion within the restaurant industry that's hard to overcome and it ties really well with, CRM, only 14% of customers ever go back to restaurants. Subsequentially, as of May, 68% of Americans were fearful of going back to restaurants, and rightfully so. So we built and we pivoted this platform to help give customers that confidence of knowing that their local restaurants are looking out for the health, are doing things right, and are doing things according to their state and local guidelines.
4: So I have a quick question. So they're going to get mm-hmm. like a rivet rating, right, these mm-hmm. restaurants? Mm-hmm. And so is it similar to how, you know, how the city grades the restaurants in New York City? So like restaurant, you get an A, you get a B, like, Mm -hmm. is it going to be set up similarly? Because I would feel like if I could see that data, like electronically, um, based on the current circumstances, that would definitely help me get over the fear of Mm -hmm. going back out to eat. Because a lot of times you don't know where a restaurant stands rating wise until you go there physically.
7: Um, That's something that we've been working on. And so we've been trying to figure out, you know, we don't want to be associated as a uh, crediting agency or accrediting body. We want to just provide information as a guide. But what we just started doing is printing window stickers for our restaurant partners that they can access the information. So it's kind of like having that grade where it's like, hey, we are Ribbit friendly. We are working with this company, Ribbit. That's all about safety and sustainability. Check us out. But on the platform, when you go in and you see that specific information that Richard was talking about, you just see icons like, hey, like a little hand sanitizer icon. Hey, this restaurant uses hand sanitizer. Cool. That's great. That's good to know. Or this restaurant doesn't use hand sanitizer. It's just a useful guide of information using icons. So it's nice and friendly.
0: Like Matt said, the CRM plays a role in all of those relationships. Every restaurant is struggling to rise above the noise, both of COVID and the way business has changed. And those relationships are changing. It's no longer a matter of how you walk into the restaurant because a lot of people aren't walking into restaurants. You have to find other ways to market. Same issue that Cole had with going to trade shows, The people aren't going to trade shows. So how do you reach out to those people? And that's what you need to use your CRM, your marketing. You need to be able to track the various ways that people are reaching to their customers. And so when Matt's able to show a customer how their involvement with Ribbit has driven them this much, revenue, and he can show it with actual data, then you've got something that really is going to open up the minds of those restaurants. And so if every restaurant were to, with say a a Grubhub order or an Uber Eats order, include a little card where they could have some sort of an incentive to join an email list or to join a text message thing or a social media thing and have that coordinated with Ribbit, then you've got a way to, to connect those dots with helping the restaurant and helping get Ribbit's reputation established. And so it's all its all data. You have to be able to gather that data and accumulate it and show how it,
1: it drives revenue. I see now television commercials for different restaurants and they're advertising that they're COVID friendly. And I kind of half wonder just exactly what are they doing? I think people can say that they're doing certain things and that they're taking certain precautions, but Mm -hmm. you can never be sure. And I think your app can make a big difference in collecting that data and can be another point of reassurance.
2: I think too, Mm -hmm. Matt, I think it's got a bigger purpose than just this. I think it can really focus behavior and change behavior and hopefully get everybody
7: healthier faster again
2: and get us back to work sooner.
7: And that's exactly it. I mean, we assume that the restaurants are doing everything to protect us. And I think that can be part of our fault as well is that we don't look into it. And you know, we're starting to see these rising cases around the country, but it stems in the fact of, you know, within the app, you start using it and you start interacting with the restaurant. Okay, they're doing this, they're doing that, that's great. And then the next time you go to your next restaurant or your next business, you start noticing those same behaviors. We disclose where we get our information from. We don't wanna come off as we're replacing the CDC. We are in fact, helping customers, just like what Lars had said, hey, you know, we have to connect to the customers, we have to connect to the consumers, and we are essentially that avenue connecting information. We're a friendly guide. And the website or the app
2: is ribbit.io. So dot tio
7: Yep. If you uh, on the Play Store or App Store, if you search Ribbit, it'll come up. It'll come up within the within the first couple of listings.
1: We love hearing about Ribbit and your progress. And thanks for doing everything that you do to make this a better place. And oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, a pleasure. You're listening to Passage to Profit. Richard and Elizabeth. Gearheart, Kenya Gibson, and Lars Huggison on WOR710, The Voice of New York.
3: There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, Visit G e a r h a r t l a w dot com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson.
1: Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart.
2: If you have missed the beginning of the show, you're just tuning in. The podcast will be out tomorrow. You got to listen. There is some really good stuff on here.
1: What's amazing is how CRM, Customer Relations Management Software, can really touch every entrepreneurial project that we've talked about so far. I think it's important to entrepreneurs, business owners, that getting the data is really important. And you can do a lot of great things with that. And managing your marketing, your sales cycle, incredibly important.
2: Right. So our final presenter has another really cool product. I really like this. I went to his website. And not only that, but if you want to see a beautiful website, and they designed it themselves. Anyways, without further ado, I would love to introduce to you Ed Madongerari.
8: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm the CEO and co founder of Moon Ultra. Picture you've ever been in a scenario where you're trying to take really good photos or video or get on a video chat with a friend. When it's daylight out, it's perfectly fine. You can get a window and you can get really great lighting. Uh, unfortunately, whenever it gets dark or you get into really dim situations, lighting is just essential and you don't have it. You end up with grainy footage, really bad photo quality, and all. All in all lost memories and this is something that occurred to me and my wife personally in our own real life so um, because of that we came up with an idea of creating a light that's portable beautifully designed fits on any mobile device and you can adjust everything from brightness all the way down to color temperature so you get the absolute perfect image every single time Uh, And it's called the moon ultralight the product is really small it fits onto your device and beautiful thing about it is because you can touch it you can actually start to control it very simply and activated and switch between temperatures and tones and we really focused on design to make sure that people when they have it, it feels like something that's just special on your device and and not clunky or not ugly and makes you feel sort of like, I don't want to pull this thing out in public. I want to actually use it and create these amazing moments. So that's what we've created. And it's available actually right now on on the market.
2: So I love the name Moon Ultra. That is just so cool. How did you come up with that name?
8: When we were coming up with the naming convention, you know, we, speaking of CRMs, right? we, We spent a lot of time just organizing a lot of information from customers or potential customers in the days when we were iterating. Um, And one of the things that came to mind for me was that I have a background in cinematography and and I know light, so people would always ask me all the time, hey, how do I get the photo that you got or the video that you got? And I'm just like, well, use the daylight. Sun is the best source of light during the daytime, so you can use that. And then as we were creating Moon, I was like, well, what's the best source of light at night? Moon. Uh, And we wanted to create something that was just created that great source. And because it's so small, um, our device is actually really the smallest lighting device you can buy on the market, but it's also really mighty. So, we're like, what's the best word for ultra, you know, mighty ultra and big and bold? And that's what we came up with. So, you attach it to the back of your phone. Is it any way integral
1: with the phone, or is it just completely independent? And then you manually adjust the light and then you can see what the picture looks like through your camera,
8: just like the way you would normally look at a picture. Is that basically how it works? Correct. Yeah. Except we wanted to keep it completely independent from the phone and just to keep it basically device agnostic. And the reason being, you know, the last thing you want to do when you're capturing a moment, and this gets frustrating for many people, right? You open up an app and then you open up your camera app and then all of a sudden you have a device now it's like connect me to your device and the moment's gone you want to be very quick into that moment so we wanted to be able to attach it to your phone as soon as it's on you can touch it turn it on it'll preset and save your adjustment from the last adjustment that you set and then get your moment and then move on from that moment but because it's also detachable let's say you know we're talking about restaurants earlier with matt and you're in a restaurant and it's super dark and you are seeing this amazing meal that the chef has prepared in front of you and you want to get that awesome food photo you're not going to take out your phone and pull your flash out because one, it's going to be so disruptive to the people around you and you're going to look kind of crazy. So with our product, because it's so small, you can take it off, hold it above your food, adjust the light exactly as you want, take your camera and take the photo and get back to eating probably in about 40 seconds. And then that's the best part about it is you're not going to lose any of those moments as they come up, but they're always going to look amazing because when you want to lose the moment, There's no going back to it, right? You go back to your photos later in the day and you're looking back at that day and you're like, oh man, I wish I'd gotten a better photo of this. You can't recreate that. That once in a lifetime expression, yes. Yeah,
2: well, there's another aspect to this that I just love. So Richard and I are here and I'm under a light and we've got a ring light pointed at us and I don't have the filters on it. So it's really pretty annoying, but you have different colors. So, So like if you're pointing it at somebody's face, you don't want that bright white right? So what colors do you have? You said it goes through different tones?
8: Yeah. So it goes from basically from the different Kelvin point, which is the daylight. So it goes from daylight all the way to a warm tungsten. And what that really allows you to do is we we sort of built our light to be really, really brilliant in the sense that there's so many different skin tones, right? Everyone has different awesome shades of color. And what we'd find a lot of times when we were taking photos with my friends is it's somebody who has my complexion and somebody who has a fair complexion. And it's like, somebody's gonna come out looking good in that photo and not everyone's gonna come out looking good so we wanted to really make sure that the lighting was once you turned it on it was able to capture everyone in their best light but being able to adjust really makes a difference because sometimes you're just like i want a little bit more of a golden look you know and sometimes you want a little more of that daylight look um so it really allows you to adjust that and especially i mean in a scenario like this we're pretty all well lit i have a pretty big light in front of me right now but in other scenarios i've been in airports where i'm on a zoom call or even a FaceTime call and I'm in a dark corner somewhere. I'm just like light hunting. And that's the best part about our product is just pop it on and you get on there and people can see you and you can have an, you know, a nice intimate conversation.
1: So quick question then, does it work on both sides of the phone? If you're doing a selfie, for
8: example, then you can light yourself? Absolutely. And that's actually what the initial idea was invented for. My, my wife and I, when we were in a restaurant one night, she was trying to get a photo and was struggling. And the idea sort of came about when she kind of challenged me, was like, well, you're the cinematographer, come up with something. And I sort of took my phone and her phone and kind of placed them back to back and had one phone peeking out, turned on the light, and we took a selfie. And the whole idea started off as being sort of because of selfies. Um, so, because it is small, you can put it in the front and face yourself and really get that awesome lighting. But it's meant to be used for a lot more than just selfies.
4: Because I do a lot of like fitness vlogging and it's hard to find like good lighting for like the room, right? So, I don't have like a huge room, but I have like a big enough room where it's been very tricky to like light the space. What would you recommend from a lighting perspective? Like, is this something I could use for? fitness blogging, like I, I usually will use my phone, but sometimes I also use my laptop cause it's just easier to go like live from my laptop than it is like my phone sometimes. So what recommendations would you recommend? And then I guess my other question is, do you see yourself expanding the line So that there's more product options available for like bloggers and people who might need a larger setup when it comes to content creation
8: so our light because it's small it's really meant for that sort of smaller use or smaller space I mean the space around you and, and items around you. So it's not going to fill a room per se, but if you're in a dark environment and it was completely pitch black, you turned our light on, it actually lights the entire room. So it's really, really that bright. But for your scenario, natural light is always a thing I always suggest. I'm always like, if you're in a room where you can actually be by a window and place your camera, the opposite side of where your window is, you're always going to get really good light. And then also maybe investing in, in some soft boxes you can get online that are, you know, Fairly affordable, but you can place them in the room where you need them to be, and then you can actually get really nice, soft, diffused lights. Especially for working out, you don't want to get harsh lights because when you sweat, all the beads of sweat are going <laughs> to really pop, and it's just yeah. not going to look great on camera. So, soft boxes are always the way to go in that scenario, or anything that would diffuse your light. But as far as our product goes, you know, even as a blogger or as a content creator, it's really meant for that. I mean, we've had people take our product and place it on a camera, a vlogging camera turn their little flip screen out and then they pop it on their flip screen. And now they have a lighting for every time they're, you know, moving it into different environments that do get dark from time to time. So that's really why it's so essential.
2: And it has a rechargeable battery, right?
8: Correct. Yep. It has a rechargeable battery.
2: How many have you sold?
8: A lot. <laughs> that we've sold, uh, without getting into too much detail, because I'm in the middle of, uh, uh, you know, some pretty awesome deals at the moment, but uh, we've sold quite quite often. We actually were really lucky when we, um, we launched this year in January and we, t- we actually debuted our product at CES before things fully shut down with COVID. And we were able to walk away with Time Magazine's best uh, products of CES 2020. Our next sort of goal and our vision for our company is to grow the brand. We have some other products that we're gonna be bringing onto the market.
2: It's kind of funny how everything on this show is kind of ties together, because everybody needs a CRM. And then you can take the light and you can find the restaurant you wanna to go to on Rivet after you've been at the beach all day under your umbrella with the umbrella holder. <laughs>
0: You know, especially as entrepreneurs scale, one of the things when you're doing deals like that is they look at things like customer acquisition cost, and, you know, a lot of the metrics that you really can only get if you have data and, you know, they're going to want to know how much does it take for you to acquire a like on Facebook or, and what value does that bring to your company? How many people do you have in your email database and what value do they bring? How responsive are they to the campaigns that you send out? you know, things that Ed's got such an awesome opportunity with the sale of his product and and his knowledge about cinematography to be able to educate people on how to best use that little device. I mean, it's brilliant and it's useful by everybody, but most people don't have Ed's knowledge and his experience. And so being able to share that through social media, through email, through his website, through video, all these different things, there are opportunities for him to get his name out, his brand out, and then measure his ability to scale out. So I'm sure that in the midst of all your discussions that you're having right now, having access to that data is going to make a huge difference in your valuation and your marketing and and business strategy moving forward. Well,
2: unfortunately, we are coming to the end of our time. I have so enjoyed this show and hearing about everything. You are listening to Passage to Profit, the inventor's show on WOR710. If you missed the first part of the show, it will be out on a podcast tomorrow. And I strongly suggest that you listen to it because this is Groundbreaking stuff, brand new stuff.
3: What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at gearheartlaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, Thank you. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson.
1: Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Can I put in a plug? I mentioned this last week. We've been using the iHeart Digital Services, and they've provided absolutely fantastic information on our digital marketing campaigns, and they've really worked out well for our business. So anybody who's thinking about using digital marketing services should really contact iHeart.
2: Right, and we used iHeart to break into New York because all of our... Advertising had been in New Jersey before, and we wanted to start getting more involved with people in New York. But iHeart's all over the whole country. Absolutely. So they have stations everywhere. They have media everywhere. So wherever you are, prices for radio are not the same as the prices for TV. <laughs> it's a good deal for entrepreneurs, and you can reach a lot of people. Absolutely. Our guest was Lars Helgeson from Green Rope and his website is greenrope.com. And he knows everything there is to know about a CRM system. He wrote the book out. He wrote the books, CRM for Dummies. But every business needs one. And if you can do it right when you're starting out or early in your business, you're way better off than if you wait. For entrepreneurs, I think, you know, find a CRM that works for you. Maybe you're real small, you don't need, all the bells and whistles yet because you don't have a salesman, whatever, but hopefully you will. Hopefully. And so he can help you with that. We had Cole Merlino with Ustand.com. That's his website, Ustand.com.
1: Never lose another beach umbrella.
2: Right. Yeah. A beautiful and very practical way to hold your umbrella in place. It's a storage unit. You take everything out when you get to the beach, you fill it with sand, you stick your umbrella in there and everybody's envious. And then we had Matt Cristaldi with Ribbit. It's R-I-B-B-I And it can help you find restaurants that are safe to go to during quarantine and COVID time. But outside of this time, it can find you kind of restaurants you want to go to because they're sourcing local products, sustainability, those kind of things.
1: Take your power back as a consumer. Go in there, rate those restaurants and tell them what you really think.
2: And then we had Ed Medongareri, and he's a cinematographer who knows a lot about light and he's used it in such an interesting way. He has developed The Ultimate Light. For any mobile device. It's a piece of art, but it's got features I've never seen before on a flashlight or anything like that. So his website is Moon Ultra com, which I love too.
1: Absolutely. And get rid of those crummy Instagram photos, those crummy Facebook features. Light <laughs> them right, you'll get more likes. <laughs> there you go. So thank you everyone for joining us again on Passage to Profit. And we'd like to do a special shout out to Noah, our producer, who always does such a fantastic job with the show. And also Kenya Gibson, our media maven.
4: You can reach out to me via email. It's Kenya Gibson with a P-G-I-P-S-O-N at iheartmedia.com. And same deal on LinkedIn.
2: Join us next week for another interesting set of presentations and another wonderful guest.
1: And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart on Passage to Profit, iHeartRadio, 710 WOR, The Voice of New York.